0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Mahoning Drive-In Theater, the largest single-screen drive-in in the United States. We're certainly glad you could be with us this evening. And don't forget, the concession stand is open with all kinds of great things to eat and drink. Eighty-nine point three Mahoning Drive-In Radio. Your old friend Virgil back once again for another exciting episode of the podcast. As you guys know, the only podcast dedicated to the revival of our beloved drive-in culture. Joined as always with my co-host and general manager extraordinaire, Mark. Say hello, Mark. Happy to be heard. And uh, today we have a really fun one because we're bringing in one of our resident artists who really came into the family as a real treat and a real surprise, and really out of nowhere it felt like. So we're gonna be talking to the one, the only, Tom Bafuoco. Um, who does amazing poster art throughout the season at the Mahoning. Say hello, Tom. Hey, guys. Thrilled to be here. Is the music playing?
1: <laughs> that comes in later. Mark oh, puts that great.
0: in later. All right. <laughs> I I and yes, in I
1: case did. people don't know, it is the puppies and kitties music.
2: <laughs> uh, on a loop. That sounds like, that's like how you, I mean, it's great at first, but then if you want to just like torture <laughs> in it play plays in my dream oh, i keep it as very
1: low in the mix
2: all right <laughs> good i don't i don't envy
0: your dreams virgil because I, I that <laughs> it's funny because it's drive-in music intermission music in general you know it's like those little pieces that you hear every single night that are just in my mind staples of the drive in. So it's a weird thing. You know, everybody has those things that are stuck in their head and and for me it's <laughs> it, it kind of rightfully so, I guess. It's it's the intermission mm-hmm. real music. Uh but Tom, let's let's talk, brother. So let's start from the beginning. Not the beginning of your life, but at least the beginning of our connection.
2: Yeah, I don't want uh, to we'll talk be... about that beginning, but that's,
0: <laughs> then know. we'll get into the early days. Sure, all, uh, those, all those painful memories How did and when did you come into the fold at the Mahoning Drive-In Theater? Because you really have become somebody who knocks out posters for us on a regular basis, I know.
2: I'm like the pinch hitter of like poster art at the Mahoning right now, like,
0: (laughs) you know. It's nuts, you know, it really is. We love working with artists and I envy artists so much. People who have the ability to bring that to life on a page, you know. And for you, my connection to you came through somebody else. I don't remember being the one who was connected to you first. So how did that connection happen? Well, this is kind of how
2: it started. I'll I'll go to the beginning of how I found out about the place. So I'm a fan of like James Rolfe, like Cinemasker, the angry video game nerd and all those things and whatnot. And they did like a Ninja Turtles review on their YouTube channel. And they actually talked about seeing that double feature at the Mahoning Drive-In. where tweeted. right. The James is there, and, yeah. and they talked about the, the documentary. I'm like, what? This this sounds so, like, amazing. Like, this is real? So I sought out the documentary. I found it on, you know, streaming on Amazon Prime. And I probably watched it. Oh, God, I can't. The, the first time I watched it, I was blown away. Because in my mind, I'm like this. This this doesn't exist anymore. You know, not by me, at least not by a long shot. So when I saw everything that went into it and just like the passion behind everything, it I was like, wow, this is this is big. It's, it's like when you feel that moment you're, where you really just discovered something in your life that like this is oh, yeah. really
0: important. I mean, of course you would know. Well, that happens with music, with movies, with a lot of things. Something that. You know, you feel like you have this discovery and it really speaks to you at a specific time or whatever the case is. And it just becomes part of, you know, your life and and what you do on a day-to-day basis, which is the beautiful thing about the fan base is the culture seeps into people's hearts and they really want to get behind what feels like the movement of trying to revive something that people love.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a feeling of wanting to be you know, of course, as a creative type, as the, as you probably know, you you strive to achieve greatness in yourself, but you also there's also the desire to be a part of something bigger than yourself, and that's kind of what I think I got out of it. And one, it was not just like a cool place to go, but it was a you guys are like a, a preservation house in in a lot of ways. So that yeah. really stuck with me and. I would always have the doc on when I was like working on stuff, you know, just in the background. So I probably seen it like 50 times just without even watching it. And thinking, thinking in the back of my head, like, I'm going to go there one day. And then I'm looking at the Instagram page. I'm seeing a lot of the posters that are coming up. In fact, I think a lot of the stuff that Hayden did really stuck out to me. I was like, this is cool. I would hang this on my wall. Like, this is, this is awesome. I can't believe this is happening. And then I saw, I think, late 2019 that there was a call for artists like, hey, That's do you want right. to be involved with this? Like, you, you know, contact us, send us your work. We'll let you know what we can do for you. So I was like, oh, holy crap, this is my opportunity. So, you know, I had been doing a lot of random stuff here and there, again, some freelance commissions. And I always had my roots in film and my passion for that. And yeah. so I sent the, the main email Uh, So my samples be like, hey, I'd like to be involved. Tell me what I I
0: remember seeing this. And even your samples were very much movie related. And there was some stuff in your back catalog that was even, I think, video game related. And at that time, we were in talks with, ironically, in a weird crossover, James and the Angry Video Game Nerd guys to do another video game weekend. So I remember now... I saw those samples and was like this dude would probably crush doing like caricature stuff of Mario or you know at the I think what at the time we had Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter booked.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that when when you hit me up with that I was like this is either destiny or like the weirdest coincidence <laughs> of all time. The fact
0: that you discovered us through that and then got offered that event that is pretty weirdly destined. <laughs> It was was amazing. So I was like, holy crap,
2: I got to get to work on this. And like, you know, I was like, this is like the perfect start. I forget when it was. It must have been
0: like. It it was, we had that event booked in 2019. We had it booked in 20. Yeah, 2019 is when we must have started talking because we originally had a date for the event and then the pandemic hit. Yeah, I was about to say, what could go wrong? Yeah, Yes. (laughs) And it's funny enough because we're talking about this in 2022, and that event still has not happened, and wow. we're still looking for a date that works out with James and the, and the gang. But we have tickets sold to that event. It's gonna rock. We have an amazing poster too. <laughs> I, you know what? And
2: and when, here's the thing. That poster because I did that real quick, and I I got too excited when I did that, and <laughs> uh, you know what? I stoop. I thought like. I'm going to, so I, I made a bunch of mistakes that like, you know, that are just amateur that I'm ashamed of now because I was so excited. It's like, damn, you know, I'm going to it or this right yeah. on the poster and it's going to be cool. And I stupidly <laughs> painted the date. I was like, shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Who would have, have thought I that's going to
2: change? I think times. I changed it like twice. I was like, ah, but now it's like, if, if it even happens in 2022, it's like, I don't even like looking at the poster anymore because I like it's two years old. I'm like, this is not even like, you know. Uh, that, well, you'll have to do a redux and we'll sell you know, the original. I have yeah. one in the in the chamber that's like more than a germ of a night. It's actually a pretty tight sketch of kind of, I, I got a better idea of it, especially after having done so many posters yeah, that was like the prototype. Be like, okay. it
0: blew me away though, and I remember I sent it to the team. We have like a core chat of you know managers uh, at the theater, and James and Mark. Everybody was like, "Whoa!" It had like thirty characters on it from Mortal Kombat, from Street Fighter. It was like, where did this dude come from? You know, and we get a lot of submissions for for art, you know, and and try to work with a lot of new artists. And this was one that just right out the gate we couldn't give this guy any notes it was just like he had such a style and presentation to it and and certainly was playing into what we were looking for it's almost like you knew ahead of time which obviously you did what we were looking for you know but that that is it 2019 that seems like so like yesterday you know but it seems so long ago as well
2: (laughs) Oh God, yeah, and we should involve that somehow. I still have the original.
0: Oh, yeah, it's maybe, beautiful. You know what, we'll, we'll have to share it up on the, the share the it,
2: Well, I was thinking like this thing. It's it's so dated now with like the. I think the original date was in May or something like that. It was and
0: like May twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah. yeah was, so now it was it, way back, and then it got moved and moved and moved.
2: Now it's like a collector's item. You know what could have been. You know it's.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I'm remembering back and. I think definitely Hayden's art was the shift for us. You know, we had, we started doing posters really early and there were really some great ones that Kevin Neese was doing for us at the time. And um, they were amazing, you know, but we really started leaning into the posters when we got introduced to Hayden, which was uh, the first VHS fest. So, and that's really what just elevated it to another level of like, bringing in uh, unique artists and people who have kind of a, a touch and a feel, you know, and it really shifted things. But it's amazing to think sharing that out there. It kind of inspired and then and then led another amazing artist to the family.
2: It was totally inspirational and it, it presented an awesome opportunity to be like nobody gets to Real, unless like it's commissioned or anything like that like, you know movie studios don't do illustrated posters anymore or anything like that not it's very totally. rare and you know but then you have like a lot of these sites like mondo and stuff and they do excellent excellent like screen printed posters oh, yeah. by certain artists i'm like this is kind of like that same opportunity except it's a little more unique and you want to and my approach is often to it's one thing to do just a straight poster of the movie but you want it to have an element of the actual drive-in be present there which i which i really try to do and i want to tell a story in the poster as well as it just being like a catching image uh, in fact oh, I the second poster that i did there which i think was one of my that was the one where i technically knew-
0: it would have been your first because we never released yeah i <laughs> can my
2: first my my first printed piece, my first published work there,
0: was the uh, Universal Monster Mesh 4,
2: I think oh, it was.
0: crap, yes. Yeah. And that was another one that just blew people's minds. That was a sellout, too. And I was like, I think it was that
2: I took a lot of pride in because I think uh, Sandy told me that, like, we only had two poster sellouts in 2020. One was yeah. for the Mad Max weekend, yeah, mm-hmm. which was the first show I ever went to. But we'll get back to that in a second. Awesome. And which was Hayden that did that one, and the exactly. other was mine. I was like, "Holy crap! Are you only two people got sellouts, and I'm one of them?" That's awesome. That was that was such
0: a cool feeling. And I think there I was, was setting a little. Was in that bar early, you know, yeah. and that for sure. I mean, we can talk about your first experience at the Mahoning, but. I remember you coming onto the lot and being there and you got along with everybody right away. It's like you immediately were embraced into the family, which that happens, you know, where people will come in and it's, it almost clicks instantly where it's like, this guy's one of us, you know, like he's in it, the same reason that we're in it, you know, he anything that, that he can do to help the, the fight and the effort it's pretty much all of us every weekend. None of us are, are banking on the, the Mahoning Drive-In. It's, it's all a passion project to bring these shows to life. So that's really what I remember when actually meeting you is having that spark of being like, this dude's totally like-minded. He loves the same stuff we do. When we program, it's for a guy like this. <laughs> but why don't you talk about your first trip? You said Mad Max 2020?
2: Mad Max 2020, yeah, so I think when lockdown happened, I was super bummed because I was like, damn it, now this throws a wrench in all my aspirations here. Little did I know, I was like, wait, no, this is like, they're in the perfect position to be open and operate almost as normal
0: as usual, you know? Yeah, it was crazy. The drive-in is, you know, the way that it's set up, it's almost COVID safe immediately. (laughs) You're in your own bubble you know you were ahead of the curve when everyone else was
2: struggling to catch up and and try to adapt to the situation that you were already doing yeah i i didn't even attempt to look at like other pop-up drive-ins or anything around me because it's like it's not the same you know and yeah. i was like we're making the trip out and this is the perfect weekend to do it we tried doing friday that was like the first movie and road warrior but that was sold out I was like, oh, wait, this Saturday is still cool because they're going to show black and chrome on 35 millimeter. Yes. And we're like, let's let's do it. So we all went there and, you know, amateur mistakes. Didn't bring, like, it was the summer, but it got cold that night.
0: Like, <laughs> oh, my God. We Weren't ready cold.
2: for the temps. No, yeah. not at all. So we learned a lot. All the sweaters were sold out. <laughs> so, we're like, damn it. We were going to have to suffer through this. So we went there and I... I introduced myself to you for the first time. I popped into the projection booth. I'm like, hey, I'm the guy that did the- I'm that dude, yeah. I'm that guy. (laughs) And that's, and you know, we we met. It was very, very nice, very cordial. And I asked you, that's when I think uh, you gave me the gig for the Universal Monster poster.
0: Yeah, I remember literally popping the calendar out and being like, what do we need? What do we need? The year before we had uh, my friend Stacy Fervinger do a poster for universal monsters and it crushed it was great it's one that we do a limited run and like you said normally they're available throughout the next couple months as that run sells out at later shows but every now and then we will get that sellout where that initial run just it's gone you know yeah that's always awesome when that happens what an intro to come in on we it was great because that mad max event we really promoted it as mask up and come to the wasteland yeah. we're living in the apocalypse Come out,
2: you know like this is this is insane because you had people in costumes crazy looking cars like people just chop their cars in half and, oh, it was up. and i remember listening to the radio show which was like this is like another element that's awesome and then you announced like hey the racetrack called. they said that tonight's their opening night and there's gonna be a lot of noise so sorry about that and you're like are you kidding me that that makes it even better because like that's that's one of the things that really gets me about that place is that there's a forget the this 4d immersion that all these other theaters try to do this there's there's this stuff really happening and <laughs> those, those cars were Roaring in the background Like behind you As you're watching this movie In front of you As like actual cars Are crashing into each other People are Amazing. getting slaughtered And it's like I cannot believe Where I am right now It was like You know Like I said There's other Drive-in theaters And they're They're trying to do this And you guys are like The the uncut cocaine Of drive <laughs> it's It's like Oh my Jesus So it was it was an awesome first night, and it was a beautiful night, like, told, no light pollution around that place, which, that's another reason that if you've never yawned, just go there on a clear night and look up, and yeah. you're gonna be like, oh my god, this is, I can't believe what I'm seeing.
0: And, yeah, Faye gave us our quickest sellout with that event, and she's connected with the, the Wasteland Gathering, which is like a big Mad Max fandom and once that that flag got raised that this was happening especially during a time when wasteland couldn't people came out of the woodwork and that was when you had capacity restrictions at the time i believe right like you couldn't build a lot our normal capacity at least what we pushed this last year was 800 but during the pandemic we went down to i think our biggest night was like 570 something like that so we did that in order to keep the space between the cars that was the big thing when things first hit is the distance keeping the distance the six feet you know
2: oh yeah
0: so but it really worked out things you know as everybody knows that it was our biggest season as far as attention being brought to the drive and like you said tons of uh pop-ups and we knew that the culture was shifting when we saw walmart announcing that they will be doing drive-in movies in their parking lots during the (laughs) pandemic. It's like, wow, what happened? (laughs) What happened here? But you'd start seeing the drive-in in in commercials and that's really what I think started a wider resurgence for the drive-in in in a weird way. You know, the pandemic swept in and people started looking for alternatives and realized, oh wait, this, this thing has been here and offering this <laughs> my whole life i just never you know yeah and, had it, attention.
2: and it's a total refresher for me if i'm if i could go off on another tangent one of the other reasons why it appeals so big to me and i'm, I'm thinking about it i think about it all the time because you know leading up to the discovery of the place i really developed a strong i still have it to the degree but I I developed a strong disillusionment to just the regular theater long time building and it's just like I I don't even want to go anymore which is a horrible feeling really horrible thought to have to be like I I, I'm I think I'd be okay with just watching a new movie at home right and that's 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 kind of sad but at the same time I'm like you know I can't can't feel sorry for them for this environment that's been cultivated, that just doesn't, I don't get anything out of this. And going to the Mahoning, it's, it's like, no, this
0: is, this is the place. This I is worked the in deal. that for years, oh, God. you know, working in the indoor theaters, it's, you see how sanitized the experience is and how kind of, you know, you're renting the time. And Mark talks about this often where it's, that spark of the midnight screenings of the anticipation for something it's now i even saw it i was like oh the batman's coming out you know i'm gonna be really excited to see it thursday and then i see oh it's releasing tuesday night fan screenings wednesday night fan screenings i'm like what do i gotta do to avoid spoilers and here's another thing that
2: really kind of like disgusted me about it, and this isn't a criticism of of the theater itself. No, it's no, it's a criticism of uh the culture, the culture. And like when I saw Spider Man, New Spider Man, which was yeah. I thought was excellent, and you know, packed theater, but everybody's having a good time. And as the movie's over and the lights lift up, and I'm like, there's like the seats next to me, they just left all their garbage everywhere and i'm looking around i'm seeing this i'm like this is like you had this taken away from you you know speaking to the audience you had this taken away and now you come back and you just treat it exactly how you treated it before everything it it
0: becomes a luxury you know like i see it all the time it's i'm putting my money down so i am now the king of this establishment and i will treat it any way that i like absolutely and so for people to take it for granted it's like do you, you don't deserve this you know it's yeah. like why don't you that's what ruins it for, for families and for people who really go to have an experience at the theater is the amount of times i've had to go into a theater to remove somebody who's just talking or obnoxiously loud or came there just to hang out with their friends or whatever it's you know there's elements, I guess, of that at the Mahoning Drive-In Theater, but it's so kind of, uh, you know, spaced out that it it it's built in for people to have their own individual kind of spaces, you know.
2: Yeah, like I think I remember listening. To, who who was it? Was it Andy? Who he, he was on one of the early episodes, and he was talking about how like yeah, the party's in the back. If you want to really watch the movie, just sit towards the front.
0: <laughs> that's actually it's true. I mean,
2: that's it's kind of cool. I could I could dig that because. It's an outdoor space so like you know it's not like you can't like hear everybody in the back and most of them aren't screaming either you know yeah. and it's like yeah it's it's you could make your own environment just it's as and the environment that's already made at the drive-in is comfortable and cool enough as it is you know yeah. with indoor theaters you can keep those recliner seats i don't want to be sitting in somebody else's filth you know like
0: it's sad because we like when i was at the theater i was like you know wouldn't it be great if there were these fan events that they're still trying to do but kicked up an element whether it had costume characters or sets and blah 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 and it's like they never wanted to put that effort in they never wanted to put that that passion in it was hey here's what corporate's telling us to do so here's what the standardized thing is going to happen you know
2: the thing that makes the drive-in special and a lot of these independent theater special is booking is a lost art and it's coming back in a lot of big ways. And that's something that I feel like a lot of these first run places, a lot of these big major theater chains, it's going to bite them because sure. Those big movies can make like a billion dollars, but like, yeah, I, I think their, their lifeline is getting shorter and shorter. And it's, it's the writing's been on the wall.
0: For a while now we come from an era of art house movies and independent cinema and to see you know movies shift to the point where i think it was george clooney who said it recently those movies don't go to theaters anymore they're not successful in theaters it's it's all big budget monstrous things and as that window closes as far as the amount of money that a movie that isn't that can make it's, it's scary, but, you know, I guess maybe that is the plus of the, the streaming resurgence or the streaming revolution that we're in now is it gives that material a home and, and people can find it. But yeah,
2: more theatrical adore. experience, you know, everything like that. Absolutely. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. And that's it's it's a big deal. And, you know, one last thing on this matter is just like the sanitization of the digital format which i have no issue with i'm not like carl (laughs) i i am fine with it because i understand why but you know at the same time i understand what he's going for too and myself because you want to kind of again going back to an art house kind of preservation sort of deal with showing these films you want to see everything in its imperfection because you're seeing the history of a print. It's the difference between, like, you know, generic painting example, it's the difference between, you know, seeing a, the highest resolution picture of the Mona Lisa and then seeing it in person. Like, Granted, I've never seen the damn painting in person, so maybe my example is completely worthless. But, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? You want to see, you, you totally, see it's that
0: preservation. Yeah, it's the preservation angle of it. You know, people feel like when they're there, they're supporting something bigger than. I'm going out for an escape for a couple hours, you know? They're really putting their uh, support in a place that feels like it. it's important, you know? And it is, it, it certainly is. Absolutely, absolutely. But why don't we talk about some of your uh, some of your highlights um, as far as posters, so people who are fans can kind of connect the dots. What are some of uh, the choice projects that you've done for us?
2: Well, uh, we mentioned Universal Monster Mash. I did Monster Mash 4 and I did Monster Mash 5, so I did uh, back-to-back Monster Mash.
0: 5 was the one that had all the characters riding in the car, right? Yes,
2: yes. That's that's my favorite. And I also did the, I got to do the t-shirt for that as well. Yes. Because that one actually, that landed on, I think it was, yeah, it was the 90th anniversary for Dracula.
0: That's right, and you did the
2: birthday tea. It was the 90th for Dracula and Frankenstein, and the 80th for the Wolfman. So yeah. Like, yeah, I give him a little credit here and there. So I put Wolfman's <laughs> cake in a dog bowl, you know, like, I thought it was <laughs> yeah, Again, it's like telling a story there and like a little picture. And the one with the car, I was kind of inspired by uh, Mad Monster Party. That would be, oh, I'd love
0: to see that. It's available. I think last I looked, I think it's maybe with Warner Brothers. But yeah, yeah I think it's out there. That might, we might have to talk about that one,
2: but. I did those Universal Monster ones. I also did, what else? I, I did, that's the thing. You gave me too many last year. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, if we go to the end of last season, this is funny. I did both Reese's PCs, the Christina Ricci night, and yes. Janet and Jamie. I did both of those posters. Funny story about those is I forget when it was, but you had messaged me, be like, hey. It was super last minute.
0: Yes. At left minute
2: drop out they, the person couldn't do it. Can you do it? And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm in Hawaii. <laughs> like, but thankfully I was I had like other stuff I was working on at the time so I brought my iPad, my laptop, tablet all that all the stuff I needed to work on stuff and I'm like, you are so lucky. <laughs> Not so, only did you do
0: one for that weekend, you knocked them
2: both out. I them out I think in like two or three days. And I was pretty proud of how those came out. I was like, oh, oh so
0: great. We actually had, uh, somebody had Christina Ricci sign that promo.
2: Really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's it's awesome. At the theater, yeah. That one was going to be a tough one to do because I'm like, how did, like, this title is so goofy. Like, how am I going to make <laughs> this make sense? I don't sorry. even know if I can. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, it it's a great title. Uh, sorry. I'm thinking of <laughs> another one. Uh, but I'm like, you know what, let's just just dive right into it and I, I thought the colors worked perfectly I was very happy with that came out and you know the Janet and Jamie one that one I did a lot sketchier than I usually do but I think for for the I event think it was great Had I, the night that's coming. one of my that favorites crazy. that I did last year yeah. uh another couple other last, uh not last minute but like short turnaround ones uh Frank and Hooker I yes, that, that was, was one of my one. favorite ones. I didn't get to make that show, which I'm annoyed at, but like that one was like a really cool one. Because I think I was working on I was working on another poster for another show. Oh god, I can't even remember what it was. But you're like, hey, if you got time after this is done, <laughs> please, please hang out Frank and Be Careful ones. what
0: you ask and, for, Tom. <laughs> you
2: know, after the conversations we had, you know this past week and everything I agreed to so far, I'm already in trouble. So, <laughs> you know, a little preview for this season.
0: That's right. Uh, one I, of my I, favorites is the, the Thanksgiving. You did the Hanksgiving yes. poster that had Tom Hanks with the Mahoning t-shirt on, which as a standalone image is just so great. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that one, that is cool. And I want that event to happen again because I, this, it's a very,
0: it's a deep hole. Right. Yeah,
2: exactly. But like, I think depending on the on on the flicks he put up, you could definitely get some people coming out for that. Oh, yeah.
0: Colin, his his son is a fan of the documentary. Yeah. Uh, Alice told us many times. He actually told Al that he's watched the documentary multiple times. So oh, pretty, pretty cool, right? I'll maybe maybe if we keep pushing it, we'll get him. <laughs> Colin, go Tom. Yeah. Get him out.
1: <laughs> I loved the the poster that you did for uh the Joe Bob weekend.
2: Oh my yeah. god! Yeah. Oh, that was beautiful. You gave me a big version of that signed by Joe Bob and Darcy, and that was awesome. That that was one that I was like, oh my god! I there's a lot of pressure to do this. That was one. That was one of the most nervous about thinking about what you guys were going through. What I was going through was probably nothing compared to that level of stress. But still, you know, thinking like, yeah, this is gonna be. At this big event, there's going to be, you know, what, like hundreds and hundreds of people
0: there. And right. national you know, television show shooting oh live, blah, blah, blah. A uh, lot, lot of, good, lot of uh, moving parts. Oh, God. Yeah. That was, that was insane. That was, that was really it's funny because we blew up the poster. I got two of them blown up. We put it on a crew only t shirt. So only crew could have it, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah. That's, that's exactly right. The amount of questions they got in the snack bar about the poster, like, hey, where's this available? Where can we get this? And even JB and Darcy were just like, this is so great. Cause it's it's the Mahoning Marquee and Darcy sitting on top of it with the the paint can. And if I'm remembering correctly has the big Ernie lizard at the bottom.
2: Yeah, I made a giant Ernie <laughs> on the bottom. I think, I forget what this is. It might've been JP that suggested that, JT is secretly like the somewhat art director when it comes to my stuff. Not that I have to run anything past him, but he also, he's like, "Hey, show me this stuff." He always wants to see it, so I send it to him. He will always give throw suggestions at me, like, "Oh, you don't have to do this, but this would be cool." Yeah. And I, you know, more often than not, he's he's absolutely on point. I'm like, "Yeah, you know what? This does work
0: better." That's a great title to put on it because. We, Me and Mark, we have a chat for the booking and he's always involved because he does. He taps into uh, a deep fandom, kind of the, uh, I always looked at James like the, the Comic-Con type of fandom. He's the guy who introduced me to conventions and things like that. So it's it's one of those things where he really does have a knack for knowing what a fan base would want, you know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, another thing I learned this past season is uh, if you're on the lot, and he asks, he's like, "Hey, are you doing anything?" Be careful about saying no. (laughs) He's the ultimate recruiter. He'd be like, "Hey, help me move this car." Like, all right, (laughs) sure. So we're pushing this car. It ended up being one of those cars for the Joe Bob show, and it's like it's rusted. It looks like there's bullet holes in it. I'm like, oh my god, what I got myself into here.
0: Yeah, our set pieces for Joe Bob were were quite elaborate, including uh, some derby cars. But yeah, it's it's wild. But why don't we talk about your? um, Did did you really have a history with drive-ins before us, or were we were we your first? I will say this was the first. Though I will
2: go into what my first real kind of encounter with film was, if that's kind of like a better substitute. Oh
0: God, yeah, absolutely.
2: The film, yeah. This 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 is very interesting. So I live in Long Island, I live in Nassau County, and my neighbor across the street, his father, he was in the police department, the NYPD, and he had like a film collection in his basement, mostly sixteen millimeter stuff. Right. And he was a fan because as as a police officer, you can actually get a lot of extra work being in movies. I think oh, heck know. yeah, I
0: they never thought that. Yet.
2: So and forever and my friend always Pointed this out, and we always talked about it. His dad is in Ghostbusters, and you know when they're driving up to the the Shandor yeah. building, and you have all the cops holding everybody back. He he's in there for like a half That's second. My dad. I'm like, he's. I'm like my neighbor's dad is in Ghostbusters. That's, That's crazy. So that was like a weird connection, and every now and then, like maybe once or twice a year, he would set up in his basement. He'd set up the projector and all the stuff. I'd never seen it before, but my friend was talking it up. So we go down there. It's dark in there. He's giving people popcorn. We're all sitting on the floor. There's this projector there. Like I said, I think it was 16 millimeter. I don't think it was 35 Yeah. But he had a screen pulled up, and he just played this show. It was fascinating to see the process. He had some Three Stooges in Laurel and Hardy, he had like this weird late sixties, early seventies. He was schooling adaptation. you guys. Yeah, he had like this early adaptation of the monkeys. Paul, I'm like this is super weird, and he had this. This was wild. He had a film print of Johnny Sacco in his flying robot. Nice. The English dub, of course, when it came out here, but that I was like, what the hell is this? This is like the <laughs> weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life, and that actually that got me super. Intrigued in just the process of everything because it it felt different than exactly. watching something on video than watching it on even in the regular theater when they were probably projected film at the time you didn't you never saw it so to see it happening and see the, this magic trick that's kind of going on in, in front of your face yeah it captured me left an impression regular movie theater they don't let you in the booth <laughs> you know you can't <laughs> especially now what's you going to see a, a digital projector boring. So going into the Mahoning booth, having that be my first drive-in and seeing like, okay, this is like the big boy version.
0: Taking oh, you back I to that. Were you a yeah. child when that happened, I take it?
2: I must have been, yeah, I must have been 12, 13 years old. probably. What a cool dad, yeah. man. He's
0: yeah, just like, oh, I'm going to set up the projectors, run a show for the kids. He was interesting
2: uh, too, because like I mentioned, we watched Johnny Sacco. He, he kept calling him Johnny Psycho. I'm like, what, what kind of movie is this? Like, I have a very different impression of what I saw. And then I saw it, I'm like, uh, okay.
0: <laughs> oh, it's too fun. Yeah, yeah. those those memories really stick with you. Are Are there certain movies that really captured you when you were younger? I mean, it's weird because as a kid, there's, I think a discovery moment where you're like, people make these things, you know? For the longest time, I I was always in that head state of like, you know, this is, literally is other worlds being projected out here, you know. And when you had you had that young enough to be like, I know a guy that was in this movie. Yeah, that was that was wild because That's like crazy. that was
2: you know when you're really learning about like these aren't just magic pictures that just appeared on this tape here. Like somebody had to actually go out and make this, and there's people involved, yeah. and you know you. And as years go by, you learn more and more and more about it. it more fascinating than the movie itself. But uh, going back to your question, I guess as far as like movies that captivated me as a kid, or uh, that I'm very nostalgic about to this yeah. day, and this a big movie with my family is Hook. I Hook might be I have to I think I have to rank that as my most nostalgic movie. Yeah because right back there's not even for and I think I felt the nostalgia when I first watched it which is a weird thing to say because uh, nostalgia I think about it a lot and it's to me it really has less to do with the thing itself and more of it just being a this weird key that unlocks this window of your brain of where you were at the time that's a great way to put it you know what I as a little kid you watched all the disney movies i watched all those disney animated films i watched the newer ones at the time and but I, I really dug the older ones so i watched like peter pan a lot as a kid and i loved it and then you see hook and in my mind was destroyed by it because i'm like wait i remember this this is real <laughs> you know <laughs> like that's i love dustin hoffman in that movie as captain hook because i'm like oh my that is the it scared the hell out of me i'm like that's the cartoon come to life yeah and you know it's not really based off the disney one but you put associations in your brain but oh wait this is from this like i'm feeling this memory of this movie i only watched what like last year like now i'm feeling it again but it feels different now
0: it is it takes you back, you know? Yeah, it gave me. We actually we played point. Hook with Jumanji in like 2015, like I way back. That, right, that I think feature. when when Robin passed,
2: yeah, around that time, yeah, that double feature. I would love to see that.
0: I That'll think. come back. Hook, Hook will play always play well at the Mahoning, and we know who's doing the poster
2: and, I guess, and so. Jumanji, and and that Jumanji is is very. I love Jumanji. I watched Great
0: memory that. in the theater seeing that with my family. I'll never I forget. watched
2: that new Jumanji, and I'm yeah. like, "This is garbage. <laughs> like this had yeah. this has no integrity to it at all. This this it it was uh, block Entertainment up
0: value, yes, but it, it becomes one of those things where, especially with that movie, where I was like just call it something else. Do you have to connect it back to Jumanji? Like I get the Hollywood push of nostalgia right now of like, hey, if it's connected to a brand, then you get a whole older audience and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, something like that, where you're just like, it's different enough from the original that you're just like, just call it something else.
1: Did I ever mention (laughs) that I saw the filming of parts of Jumanji? The, The new one? The original what did i never mention that they shot that i lived in the town of Keene, new hampshire for 25 or so years and when i was in college the film production company came to town and they all the downtown stuff you see in jumanji was shot in the town that i lived at the time
0: yes you did tell me that parish uh parish shoes
1: sign is still on the wall in downtown Keene. it was painted there for the movie and left behind all the scenes of the stampede to the central square of the town um we watched some of that get filmed some of my friends were uh, production assistants on that and uh yeah we were film students at the time in the college up the street so it was just like oh my god Hollywood is in town and we can watch you know what we want to do in front of us and Robin wow, Williams was perfect. in town and Kirsten Dunst was in town it was pretty crazy so I always have a pretty soft spot for Jumanji in my uh, cold cold it heart.
0: played incredibly well in the theater and it still plays well yeah in the theater I remember it it it, it played for the whole family my mom, my dad, my sister, my oh. brother, everybody loved that movie. It was a ride.
2: Yeah. And you know, that movie's heavy too. If you, especially you watch it as a kid, you're like, oh, animals run around. This is crazy. This is awesome. And then you watch it as an adult. It's like, no, this is, this movie's about daddy issues. Like this is, <laughs> this is nuts. Um, I did, sure. "I love this. And then you watch the other one and you're like, no, this, this, this is. It certainly lacks uh, all
0: that, that heart. That's for you.
2: Lacks all of it and it and it you know i was offended by it <laughs> <laughs>
0: Nah, this is disgusting this is yeah. no well it's funny because we uh we did a, 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 a the 8th grade dance that we did last year for the uh the kids of the middle school they couldn't have their dance cuz the pandemic blah 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 so we brought them out and the kids got to pick the movie that they get to watch and you know the list that they came back with i'm just like This is what kids love,
1: (laughs) and you know I never thought of all the ways we would see Last Tango in Paris on our screen. I didn't think (laughs) it was going to be selected by contemporary. It was a weird choice for the it was, but they're big fans of Brando and Butter.
0: We said, hey, whatever you want to see. (laughs) Oh lord! (laughs) But yeah, so why don't we get into uh, uh, some of your inspirations as an artist and when you started? working with art. I feel like over the time that I have met you and kind of discovered your work, I've seen it grow, you know? So I can't imagine what that uh, that process has been since you were young.
2: Well, I definitely started at a very young age as a lot of artists do. Like when you're in preschool and, and the teacher notices, hey, this kid is drawing... A little more than stick figures, like he's making sure there's five fingers on each hand. That's kind of the sign of a of somebody that has potential. And I was lucky enough to be one of those people. Wow. There's only so much that can be taught, but that's like an early indication I found in a lot of people that even people that don't really pursue it, they just have it in them. And that goes with a lot of creative fields too. I'm sure you know that. There's more to music than learning to play. You kind of have to have a natural inclination. Like you. Oh play. yeah. I always
0: thought that as a singer, I said, I competed in competitions with people that could read, you know, sheet music left and right. And I would win these competitions and be like, I, I don't know, you know, like I, I would feel bad sometimes that like, did it, it I, I don't know. It's, I, I do get what you're saying. Yeah. It's just one of those things where it's just like,
2: and, and this is not to discredit anybody that trains really hard, because if you want to get good, you can only get so far by being a hundred percent self-taught or just going with it you know you really have to get some kind of work instruction for it, yeah. or, or, or have that right kind of discipline to teach yourself in in a right kind of way but that that's a whole other subject but yeah i, I really started from an early age drawing like random like comic books and stuff like that watching movies i, I wanted like action and i told like i said I took a lot of inspiration for what was on tv on the, at the time what movies i was watching i watched star star wars in an early age that really got me like it did a lot of people but you know, even stuff that a lot of people were into, I wasn't into. Like I, I hated full house. Like every time it came on, I couldn't turn it off fast enough. <laughs> you're
0: like TGI F
2: this. Well, you know what? Because I watched Power Rangers and then you watch like a show that's like it, and you're like, why aren't they fighting? You know, this is this sucks. <laughs> so you want it's
1: I, like full house with fighting.
2: Yes, that's <laughs> perfect. Or or more so saved by the bell, but the bully gets beat up. so (laughs) there's no giant monster at the end of saved by the bell so a lot of that carries over like it just just feeds your brain and when I realized that you could do this for a living like that it it actually coincided with film exactly because one of my favorite artists slash illustrators is a guy named Dave Dorman and if you know that name if you ever read any of the Star Wars Dark Horse comics from the early 90s, like Dark Empire or like Tales of the Jedi. He did all those covers and they are iconic comic book covers. And I got a book of all of his Star Wars art in like 97, 98. I flipped through it and being a fan of those movies at the time, my mind was blown away. I'm like, wait, there's more? (laughs) Like I couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) The story continues? I'm like, what? There's more than just what happened? The credits? Like that's crazy. And it's like these beautiful paintings I didn't read any of those comics until later, but that was enough to feed my mind. Just that one image gave me that inspiration to be like, this is this is wild. Something I can do. Yeah. And that that really kinda of put that germ of an idea like this this could be a thing where you can kinda of do this and make a living or at least to get some satisfaction out of life, you know, to be able to create this thing. And uh-huh. I, I that's thankfully carried on until you know, today. That's
0: and I, amazing.
2: And, you know, other, other artists I looked at, especially in later years, like I love uh, Basil Gogos, who did a lot of those covers for famous monsters of film land. Yes. He, yeah. He's a big one. A lot of comic artists, really Paul Pope. He was a big one. You see a lot of those Alex Ross covers at the time, those beautiful painted covers. Oh yeah. I want to do that. But then you realize like, this is, this is way harder than it needs to be. And <laughs> Very good advice early on, like don't paint comics. And I tried every and and I learned why, (laughs) because this is really hard. But then, you know, you develop your own style. And I found that I was really good at very traditional brush and ink work. Like I would look at a lot of Jack Kirby stuff for, uh, I mentioned Paul Pope before, and he was big into that and still is. That really kind of carried over how my style is today. A lot of it's very line art heavy not to say i can't paint full rendered i actually love doing that and i'm hoping maybe for a few posters this year to really do that it just takes a little bit of time and you want to make sure everything comes out
0: how i you think want that's the, the beautiful thing of of having the posters regularly pretty much every weekend is I see you guys really flexing with the style, you know, where it's like the stuff that Hayden will try out as well. Like he'll try a different style on a poster. And even like I said, with the stuff that I saw originally on your Instagram feed, it feels totally different than the stuff that you do now. It's this kind of evolution um, of a guy finding his voice, you know, his style, which I found that is always the most difficult. You know, when I was in bands, it was always, hey, what voice, quote unquote, is appropriate for this project? And you really have to make that decision and choice. But to be able to do that with each individual project or be able to kind of work on a style with these projects must be really great. Absolutely. The good thing about
2: doing work for you guys, especially, is it it presents a lot of opportunities. And... A lot of different opportunities to say I, i'm not going to say what i i'm going to be doing this year perhaps just to kind of keep, keep the it a suspense uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. you'll find out as it goes but i you know based on things that we discussed that i kind of you kind of let me pick i'm like this this is there's some very different offerings in there and yeah. it's, it's an exciting opportunity and even then when you get those opportunities you still want to twist them further like how you make this even different than just like a central image like here's an example one of the other posters i did in 2020 and i i can't believe i forgot about this but for the monster mania gosh that's right that one that's one of my favorites and i'm like how they i think it was from Dusk till dawn halloween halloween three and creep show yeah talk not about in that, it for, weird. Not in that particular order but that that was and I, I was so upset I, I couldn't go, but like I'm like I still have to contribute. Even if I can't go, I'm happy I can contribute to these weekends. And I was like, how do we do this different? You know, I can't do a mountain of people like I did for that video game weekend poster. I'm like, let's let's mix it up. So I'm like, let's look at these old comic book ads or like masks and stuff or stuff you'd see in monster magazines. Yeah. Let's just let's just do like an an advert page for something like that. I think that really made it strong because it was a representation of the film that wasn't exactly the film, but it, oh, it made so it perfect. Deep. Yeah. And if we finally do Video Game Weekend this year, I'm like, how do I do that different? Because that one, the original one I did, I'm, I'm so glad you guys are still thrilled about it to this day but because my mentality has changed, I'm like this, is, I could make this more interesting.
0: <laughs> As you looked at it over time, you're like, I'm changing. Well,
2: you now. look <laughs> at it, you know, again, it's one thing to represent the film itself figuratively, but then it's something else to take it and throw an extra bit of a nostalgic element to it. I was looking at a lot of magazine ads for video games and things like that for yeah. arcade games. And they, they were crazy with some of the stuff that they came up with. So, and even if you just kind of straight rip something off and make it your own, people have been doing that for thousands of years. That's still cool. Like, it's like, let's let's see if I can make this idea. Oh, yeah, it's the inspiration. Yeah, like absolutely. Like you said,
0: that Monster Mania poster was amazing, where it's just like, who would have thought that that was the move? You represented all the characters in a very nostalgic kind of piece that reminded you of, you know, the old days of the you know ordering mass through the magazines and stuff like that now that I think back i should have included that like a live monkey
2: you can order that cuz that...
1: <laughs> that leapt out to me when i first saw your first universal monster mash poster was that this was clearly a guy who had knowledge of the 60s monster kid era and that look of old comic books and old ads and things like that and i, I just loved it immediately it looked like it was art that fell out of a time machine into our hands it was great
2: yeah, I was born too late. Like, I sh- I should have been yeah. there. That would have been... I, I, I'm envious of the people that kind of grew up around that time. And that's it's like, that's so much cooler. Like, just that, you know, everybody's into that stuff now, even though it's still a niche. But back then, if you were like into that monster stuff, you really had to seek these people out that were like, just like yeah. you. And I want to kind of bring that feeling back of that that unifying... Elements, even though the Mahoning is kind of a magnet for that to begin with to remind people don't forget your roots don't forget that you were an outcast like 50 years ago <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> a, right. a, a total that weird kid in school that didn't talk but when you went home you watched like the amazing colossal man on tv <laughs> you know the Mahoning is a
0: gathering place for
2: absolutely people. and to to give that feeling back be like hey this is like something you would have loved when you were a kid back then i you know i like to appeal
0: that generation well that's what's great is you know your artwork is very nostalgic and be very retro in its style but it's modernized very much like our business model is you know it's rooted in the past with a touch of that modern twist and at the same time
2: the with an illustrator mindset in this you also want you know this might sound kind of cynical at the same time you're also like is this going to sell out cause I wanted to do well for you guys and everything like, like, how, is this going to make money? Is this going to help pump up the show? I kind of come at it with a, a marketing standpoint too, because you wanted to draw people in with oh, the image. It does. that's, that's why I, I pour I thought I poured a good amount of effort into the Thanksgiving one too, because it's like, this is like, I got to get these people to this show. Like this is definitely, this is the, you know, this is the opposite of the horror crowd right here. <laughs> like, we got to get them in. And I got a lot of compliments on that poster. Oh, that's such a great one. Uh, which i very happy about. But yeah, that's... And I, I talk with Sandy pretty frequently. And I always want to know, like, what's going on with the merch booth? Do you need anything for that? Is there other cool, new, and different things yeah. that can be done you know you got those stadium style cups now those popcorn buckets like maybe we could do something cool for those for like the big shows you know put a little unique logo on those cups be like this is different than the regular collector's item yeah this is the monster mash cup or like the the camp blood cup
0: i think you might have done that for yeah we did a different design i mean that's the beautiful thing is you know as we grow the opportunity for the merch items grow the artists grow and it becomes a uh, i, I just that's what i love i think most is just the creative energy of it all even with the podcast it's you know it's able to to touch into that creative element of wanting to create something having an instant gratification off of something and being able to uh do stuff that we do it's we get flooded with that it's incredibly rewarding oh absolutely and
2: then again like i'm saying i'm always thinking of new ideas and how to maybe spread that even further even you know during like the off season you know i for like the merch on the website seeing about maybe we can get something exclusive on there like you can only get from there it still
0: spreads oh, yeah. the word we have so many fans from all over the place that will never come to the Moaning. it's just too far And they support what we do and they love buying merch and having items available to those people are great. It's funny because I just did an interview promoting the season and the interviewer asked about inspiration, you know, and what you would say to somebody as far as advice, you know, kind of coming up. And the one thing that I said is if you have a dream, talk about it. You know, I feel like a lot of the success and destined meetings and things like that happened because... I I just put it out there. I talked to everybody that I could about it. If you could have a piece of advice for an artist or a creative person that is coming up right now, what 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 advice would you give? Oh, that's a very
2: good question. Because I'm that's a tough one to answer. Because I'm always thinking about that for myself anyway. Like I don't consider myself an expert or a master or anything like that. I'd just say, well, one of the biggest hurdles a lot of people I talk to is just. A lot of people get discouraged because they're unhappy with what they've done. Like they do one drawing and they hate it and then they freeze up. And my biggest piece of advice is just even if what you do, if you think is, is garbage, even if what you do is terrible, just don't even throw it out. Just just keep doing it. Do a million terrible drawings and eventually you'll do one that you're like, you know, I not even that you're, that you think is great, but one that you don't hate, yeah. you know, you want to get yeah. it to the point where you're like, I'm okay with this, but, and just keep going. It's just, that's really the secret to getting better into gaining the confidence is to not be afraid of failing at trying to do something, of doing something that you're not happy with that you don't think is good. That's that you consider to be a bad yeah. piece. You know it's it's there's education information and everything you'll if it's bad think about why you don't like it and then move on but keep it with you and you'll eventually if you do it enough it's not saying it's it's easy to get over but you'll get over trying to be perfect all the time i'm not a fan of being a perfectionist or anything like that that's you almost want it to be less perfect it's more organic that way, if that makes any sense. You know, not everything has to be a crisp drawing or you can exaggerate things. You can, there's always workarounds. It's, there's rules that are meant to be bent and broken, but you'll never know that unless you keep yeah. trying. That's that's probably
0: the biggest thing. I that love would that, say. persistence. You know, it's yeah. don't get discouraged by those things that may present themselves as hurdles. You jump them and you keep on going.
2: Yeah, and you know, the toughest thing is
0: to even find that further motivation to keep going some people might need like a drill sergeant screaming at them, or a a podcast that you know hits them at the right time that's why I love always bringing it up you know I feel like the inspiration aspect that our story brings people is it's such a kind of magical gift that we could never plan on the idea of offering cool movies and preserving a, a a cool theater you know that was the original goal but the idea that this story inspires people to kind of go for the, the the crazy or go for what seems like impossible. It's, it's such a gift, you know, and bringing that up always just in case it hits that one person that is like, you know, maybe at that hurdle and they're like, hey, I need that little inspiration to find that uh, motivation ahead of me. 100%, yeah. Uh, Mark, you got anything for our main man, Tom?
1: Well, you know, one thing we always ask everyone who's on the podcast is if you had a dream double feature. Like if you could program a night or a weekend at the Mahoning Drive-In Theater in Lehighton, Pennsylvania, what would you select? <laughs> now, there is one that you talked about with us, which we might have mentioned on oh, the show, God. at the post-season oh, staff great, party.
0: Great suggestion. You gotta toss it out there now. Alright, I'm gonna gonna I'm
2: gonna just bring this up. This is not my suggestion, by the way, but I gotta <laughs> got bring up this story. So This is at the post-season party last year, which I was very grateful to be invited to you know it was really i i loved it so i'm talking with daryl at the time and we're just talking about like you know what would be the worst selling most money losing week. The, show? Well, the most money losing show you could do and i'm like it had to be something so lame like a like a don knots double feature like uh mr limpid and uh ghost and mr <laughs> chicken i'm like just get down there who the hell's gonna see it you know, I'm joking about like you know, let's throw all these gimmicks in there. anybody, 80 years plus gets in for free. You know, like, and really, like, I thought nothing of it because I'm like, who the, of the main audience that's gonna come here and spend money? Who the hell's gonna come after that? And then we kept going on it. We kept going and going. We came up with a poster idea to have like these cutout Donnas masks. Like old paper ones we came up with a food item oh and it's uh and then we came up with the title this was the gem because daryl he gave me a great piece of advice it's like listen just come up with a good tagline a good good title and odds are <laughs> virgil will make it happen <laughs> I'm like all right it's called uh nuts for knots
0: <laughs> well it's funny it because happened. you guys came to me and mark oh, at the time and pitched it and right away we're like that's amazing
1: let's do that show
0: yeah (laughs) you're like what's
1: the worst show we could do and i'm like i want to see that show
0: (laughs) i'd go it's
2: fantastic all of it now you you mentioned mark that you you preferred the title double knots
1: that was one that i
2: very good title
1: a friend of mine at the uh, Somerville Theater, my friend Ian Judge at the Somerville Theater in Boston, did a Don Knotts double feature of Limpet and Chicken, Absolutely. and I told him afterwards he should have called it Double Knotts, <laughs> So it's still not been. <laughs> it's
2: on the table, but here's the thing: that title, as it is, it throws off the title for the food item. That what was the food of, item? I, well, Daryl helped me with it. Is like we, you do homemade like cracker jacks, and then. You take like a Twizzler and you tie it in a little little bow tie, a little knot. You top it off on there. And he's, and he's like, you know what the name is? I'm like, what? Nazi Nuts. <laughs> I'm like that, that was like, that was it. Uh, that dude. was it. I'm like, we, we got a show. That's how brilliance is we born, sir. Show.
0: That's how brilliance That's is
2: That's the born. thing. A lot of these great ideas, you, you can tell, just come from nothing. And then we were like, wait, people might actually pay money to see this. So this whole conversation is moot. Because it's either going to be a, a disaster or it's
0: going to be a, actually a surprise. It hit. sounds like a risk that we're willing to take. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. The number of things we've done that started off with a joke. Oh, my God. Is, yes. it, it's a long list. That's what's
0: great. You know, it's a lot of the programming. It's it's organic. We will literally be talking about something in the booth or chatting about something that's going on and be like, why don't we do this? You know? But yeah, so, so fantastic. And to answer the question, I thought a lot about this. I wrote
2: a list of double features I would like to see. Well, I'll preface with this. One thing I'd love to see more at the Mahoning is I'd love to see animation more represented at oh, the yeah. theater.
0: We've actually never, I think, touched on animation. at the-
2: That's the thing. And I think that could be a an excellent avenue especially because you have this unique handicap in that you can't show the disney animated stuff so you kind of have to you're forced to really delve into the alternative non-disney titles which are there's still a plethora of amazing features out there and weird different stuff that you can combine and i could go on about it forever but something that i've been thinking about a lot lately is i'm very interested to see What kind of uh, you know, speaking of animation, I'm thinking what kind of anime is on film that could be played, and the list is hard to find. I've
0: looked, but I would love to see like Akira on the screen. Oh yeah, that would be. We brought that up at a maybe when the the Daryl Carl episode. That would be.
2: Yeah, Akira would be awesome, and then you could have like the second feature would have to be another. It'd have to be a really different one or like another big one, like Robot Carnival's really cool. Or if you had to do two big hits, you'd probably do Akira. And I, th- I think Cowboy Bebop the movie got a theatrical release, but I don't know if it's on 35. Oh, be, so.
1: I always um, would think Ghost in the Shell too. From a, Ghost
2: from in the soundtrack. Shell would be awesome. And I had Mobile Suit Gundam, Char's Counterattack. I would love to see those. But then any of those like Studio Ghibli films... You know, fathom events stuff. They crush at least once a year. every time
0: we played that oh, uh, the indoor. They would crush.
2: And to throw another one at you, aside from anime, I know you only ask for a double feature, but this is what you get when you invite me to the
1: podcast. And <laughs> shut up. Program a month. You
2: know, what would be a cool one is you if you did a weekend. This would be a cool music show. You could have heavy metal and rock and roll. Oh, yes, actually a cool, interesting one. That would be a great musical double feature. In like a weird alternative
0: animation people love heavy metal that gets requested a lot
2: oh heavy metal is awesome and i'm gonna persist on this i'm gonna shove this down your throats that we need like a weekend of just animation even even just a weekend of just even you just showed cartoons for like two hours or so like that that'd be cool do like saturday mornings
0: at night (laughs) you know (laughs) I know the new Bev does the, they serve cereal and do like Saturday morning cartoons throughout their calendar. At least they used to. But yeah, something like that. I think the only time we talked about it was Beavis and Butthead and South Park. That was the two where we were like, if we're going to give it a shot, let's try it. But I think our fandom has changed, you know? Like that's almost too on the nose. Although Beavis and Butthead would crush. But yeah, we're going to make it happen. You know, I think doing a, a nice alternative Maybe it's a fun thing to do on a Sunday. You know, try it out and be like, "Hey,
2: yeah, on a Sunday or or that's the thing. It's it's a big category. That's what I'm saying. Like it could, it could potentially take a right. weekend and you have like each night themed after like a certain genre or something yeah. like that. That's why the Saturday is cool. You show a lot of those syndicated like maybe Warner Brothers cartoons and then you could like top it off with like Transformers. The movie. Oh, like,
1: yeah, hell
0: yeah.
2: You got yeah, that. Hard. Oh, my God, you that Stan Bush
1: would crush.
2: <laughs> Are you kidding me? All day.
1: When I saw Boogie Nights, which was, is like one of my favorite movies, and I thought the You Got the Touch thing was hilarious, and I loved it. Somebody had to tell me that was used in the Transformers was, movie first. Yeah. I had no yeah. idea. And I'm like, oh, my God, of all the things they're going to do is they're going to pull a song out of the Transformers <laughs> movie and put it in this film. That was. You amazing.
0: know what? God bless them, because that oh, song yeah. is excellent. Yeah. <laughs> it's so- We talked about doing a Ralph Bakshi weekend, which that's.
2: Oh my god! Okay, so you got me going here to kind of do an offshoot of that because I am actually working on a a piece right now involving
0: Ralph Bakshi's War of the Rings, and I love that movie. He's got such a deep catalog, man. It's a.
2: Oh, you could do wizards. You could even do like uh, what American Fire and Ice Crush. Fire and Ice. I would almost save Fire and Ice. You know. The theater is not that far away from the Frazetta Museum. If you actually talked to the Frazettas and kind of did a conjunction thing, you could do like a double feature of Conan and Fire and Ice because those are both one is very much inspired by Frazetta, and then the other, Iron Ice, is just pure Frazetta like Unleashed, as nonsensical as it is. It, it's <laughs>
0: great,
2: you know. But you could do all those Bakshi ones.
1: We just got to come up with a fun title and make it work. I think we're in. That's where you could go back to the drive-in history, so to speak, and do the more genteel film first, even if it's Bakshi. And the second film is Fritz the Cat or Heavy Traffic. You know, the, the really much more edgy film plays right. second that you either sit through the <laughs> safe one to awesome. get to it or anybody you give them a chance to to clear out before that second film plays. <laughs>
2: I mean, if we're talking about like animators, I mean heck, outside of Disney, the Disney connection, but not Disney it would be like Don
0: Ooh, Yeah,
1: I've said that for a
0: while. And you know what? We did movie. play Land Before Time. That's the I think one animation that we did.
1: Oh, I remember you yeah, actually yeah, had to that. play it on he, digital though, so
2: I was gonna say Secret of Nim would crush. I saw that, that when we came oh, out a little fifle. Oh God. American oh American, American Tale. Tale. Yeah. That poster I think was on the original Struzan artwork. Like you could actually buy that from a gallery. Like, I I don't know if it's sold Crazy. yet. But
0: he honestly, has a like,
1: gallery where he sells his originals and the Cannonball Run poster comes up and you look at the prices and you're like, oh, yeah. if only I was a rich man. But it's amazing the idea yeah. that you could own those original paintings.
2: It's like, and you know what? I'm looking at the prices. Of course, they're outside of my price range by like a, a lot. I'm looking at them and I'm like, some people could buy this NFT JPEG of like a of like a monkey. Or you could buy the poster for freaking the American Tail for like half the <laughs> price. You know, like what are you
1: going to pick? The you NFT know? is the future version of DVDs that came with exclusive web links. Uh, <laughs> yeah. why, don't you, why don't you pop that 1998 DVD in there and tell me how that website that is a bonus feature is playing for you right now. As it sits there. Quietly,
2: yeah, that's that. I'm like, you could buy this thing that's like, I think it exists, or I get, I could be like, yeah, this is the the original
0: key work for (laughs) (laughs) FIFO. Uh, well, why don't you tell the folks where uh they can find your work if they want to follow along?
2: Well, most of my stuff I post on uh Instagram slash Tom Bifulco, so it's uh T O M B I F U L C O, and my last name is a Bifulco. No, that's Is it not my it. fuel count. <laughs> it, uh, it's before, before go. Count. yes, even I've been saying it wrong that. this whole time. Yeah, but you know, I didn't want to be rude and correct you, I just wanted to let you say it wrong. <laughs> wrong
1: You're saving that up <laughs> for the end,
2: yeah, like, and then yeah, you it was your wrong. turn
1: to pronounce it, and we all for, go for fucking oh. three years, bro. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> He was playing the long game on that one,
0: yeah, exactly. Showed you. Uh, well, we love you, brother. We appreciate so much your dedication to the theater, your work, as the fan base does as well. It's always crowd-pleasing. And we can't wait to jump back in the saddle with you this year. Keep an eye out, because there's going to be some big ones. Oh, yeah. You get the dirt early as as one of the resident artists. I got all
2: the dirt early. and In fact, I'm going to be digging for more dirt. <laughs> You know, the more I I could get out of you, the the better, especially for later on when some of the big shows oh, yeah. come. I, yeah, I, I got even hit the hardest Yeah, yeah, I got I got at least one of those in the pocket right yep. now, and I'm and I'm sure some of them. All I gotta do is ask, that's right, baby. and I can maybe get a piece of it in some way, shape, or form. I've been doing a, oh, that. We didn't even mention. It. I did a lot more T-shirts. Last yeah, well, year.
0: that's something that really was born, I think, out of having you there and accessible to us is you know we would uh work to get a poster and then a, an event would sell out and we're like well why don't we put this on a t-shirt and then it became why don't we do oh, a separate yeah. t-shirt
2: that was like another i know we're trying to end this but like you know like i gotta go off on that but like that brings a whole new dimension to a lot more artists that are that are doing work for you guys because it gives them another opportunity and it's another another revenue source and another just cool sign like yeah, I was yeah. there, you know, doing that blob shirt for last year. That was the home run.
0: That was such I good. it
2: in motion. And then like the Tromathon, When I saw Lloyd Coffin wearing my shirt,
0: I'm like, he
2: got <laughs> this is, we, this uh, we, you
0: gotta We uh we we had a what was his name? The um Tremblay. He was nominated for an Oscar for uh Room. There, he posted a picture on Instagram of him rocking that t-shirt. I think he's involved with the new oh. Toxie movie. But how freaking oh, crazy. God. It's like your your it's art nice. is traveling around the world and people are wearing it. It's nuts. Super fun. It's too much. Super fun. Well, again, if you guys want to check out Tom, check him out on Instagram. And we don't normally end the show with anything too fancy, but this is for you, Tom. Bangarang, my friend. Bang-a-rang. <laughs> oh, bangarang. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On that note, Jeff, take it away, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for coming out
1: tonight to the Mahoning Drive-In Theater. We hope you'll come back and see us again real soon. The exit is on the right-hand side of the screen at the front of the field. And most importantly, have a very safe trip home. Good night and God bless you.